0: good morning or good afternoon and welcome into herf's huddle for the first time in a while um this is the chicago Bears podcast presented by me joseph herf Uh, for those of you who don't know me or my work you can follow me on twitter at joseph herf nfl for all tweets articles and reactions surrounding the bears obviously it's been a while um been pretty busy with work life all that stuff so um got a whole new setup going got a really nice uh um PC, desk, monitor, all that stuff all set up. So hoping to make some more time to be able to do this again. Um, but for today's episode, I'm going to be completing a mock season. I've seen a lot of talk about what the Bears should do this upcoming off season with not only um, coaching staff, but also with who to resign, who to draft, um, what to do in the draft, trade back, draft one of the quarterbacks, whatever. Um, this is as of December 19th. This is what I do with the current Chicago Bears. So let's begin with uh, the first important piece. Obviously, what happens this offseason will really depend first with what happens in the personnel department. So that could depend on the general manager itself. That could depend on the coaches, all that stuff. I think really what we see happens there in January, February is kind of going to be a telltale sign for what happens this offseason. So what I think should and could happen, I say head coach Matt Eberflew stays. Now, before he erupts, you know, he's lost three very close games this year. One was a huge coaching issue. I think you need to tie him now to Justin Fields. He came in here, with the task to develop Justin Fields with the task to, you know, get this offense and defense going both sides of the ball. Head coach's job. I know he's a defensive coach, but both sides of the ball. That was his job. Now, he gets one more crack. I think the Bears weren't the only team to fall for the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator dream trap. Denver Broncos were another one. They hired Nathaniel Hackett, and he has been – he was atrocious. He was hired after one season in Denver, and then now he's the offensive coordinator for the Jets, where he also sucks. Um, I think you give Iberthus another crack just on the fact of how much he – Turned around this defense. You can credit it to the trade for Montez Sweat. You can credit to players finally being healthy, whatever. The fact of the matter is they were a, a bad defense, horrible defense. Arguably one of the worst defenses in football. All of a sudden, a switch flipped. And regardless, they have made every team's offense look bad versus us. Um, I say that alone, plus the fact that he... At the very least, I believe he, if he wins home more game, he doubles his win total for the season. There alone, the goal was to take the next stack. The goal was always to win in 2024 and possibly contend this season. If the Bears finished 7-10, 6-11. That is drastic improvement from last year from 3-14. End of story. Now, I think you fire Luke Getze. I think he sometimes does some pretty good things. I think he's a great guy to have on a staff not as an offensive coordinator. I think your two options for this, I think these are two awesome options. There are a few that could be good, but I think if the Washington Commanders move on from Ron Vera, that normally means when a coach gets moved on, staff gets canned. I think if that's the case and Eric Binemi doesn't get a head coaching job, bring him in. Even if it's only for a year, you get the best offensive coordinator on the market a guy who has actual experience calling plays, a guy who has worked with quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and now Sam Howell and has made them look the best of their career. The best way to look at Eric Minemi is that Matt Nagy left to come to Chicago. That Chiefs team took the next step with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill leaves. They still stayed exactly the same, which is unbelievable how that – actually, I think they performed better, if I remember correctly. Regardless, he did awesome. People thought it was all Mahomes. Benemi leaves, says, I want to prove it myself that it's me. So he goes to Washington, and says, I'll take over Sam Howell and his development. Sam Howell has now looked awesome for what they invested in him. And some have said he even looks like a franchise quarterback. I don't know if he's there yet. Takes too many sacks. But Benemi has made his life much easier. Now let's look at the Chiefs. benemi has gone. Matt Nagy has retaken over his offensive coordinator. The Chiefs are now horrible. Don't want to hear excuse of, you know, well, a weak wide receiver room. Binemi had arguably a worse wide receiver room last year. He Rasheed Rice is the is awesome right now this year for the Chiefs as their leading receiver, actual receiver, not tight end. And Binemi didn't have that last year. He had Juju Smith Schuster as their number one. And um Mark has Valdez Scantling and Justin Watson and Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. Like this is all the exact same players, the only difference is they took out Juju and replaced him with Rasheed Rice, who has arguably been better already, um, despite how bad they've been. So that alone deserves a shot. I don't care about his spotty pass, people don't like him, whatever. I don't care. He deserves it. The other option, if uh, you know if that doesn't work and you want to poach somebody, Darryl Bevel is a great option. He has been talked about as a potential head coach, offensive coordinator for teams um, in the past multiple times. He... Has gotten kind of uh, short end of the stick multiple times. He became the offensive coordinator in Detroit after a long stint in Seattle, um, and then after his stint in uh, after his stint in Seattle and Detroit, Detroit ended up firing their head coach. He became the interim head coach. Actually, won his first game as interim head coach versus the Bears, and put up thirty four points. Um, they arguably, I mean, they they've looked better or they looked good. Um, after that he was obviously canned, he became the offensive coordinator then under urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars, same thing as an exact scenario for him. The whole staff was canned because of him being horrible and he was canned along with it. So now he is currently serving as the, um, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Miami dolphins. Look at that. Um, Tua has arguably been the last two years, a MVP type of candidate. Now, why not? Why not poach him? And the question normally comes, well, why do you want to leave? Well, as a guy that probably wants to move up within the league. His timeline for becoming a head coach is probably slimming down. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, he's over 50 years old at this point. Um, he needs to become an offensive coordinator again. And he can call his own plays. He's now learned a few things from Mike McDaniel's offense. He's learned things from Pete Carroll. He's just, in general, been around some awesome coaches. He's learned some great things. And then he's also been around Urban Meyer. Um, but it's his time to call plays again. He's a awesome. He's learned obviously the high passing, high volume passing offense of the dolphins. He ran the ball a ton in Seattle. He's very adaptable as an offensive coordinator. I would absolutely love to have him. Um, so again, as the question was, I'll reiterate, why not just fire the entire staff? Um, I think this game plan should be to run it back with the and fields. Um, the disclaimer for the entire episode. Um, if they're not cut in 2024, make the playoffs. I think that's the bottom line. Ryan Poles needs to clean house. And if people are wondering why Ryan Poles deserves his job, I think he has made an awesome roster that should be currently eight and six, which is insane to think about. That we had three games in the bag and we lost those games. We should be eight and six. That is unbelievable to be thinking that with how this team has been with an actual good off coordinator or better coaching no offense to he was loose we could be a playoff team arguably nearing the top of the division Pro- actually I think we'd be tied for top of the division with one of those wins being the Detroit Lions game that we choked so overall you run it back um, give this another you know, give this staff another shot with fields if they don't cut it they go together now we're on to free agency so before we get free agency started, I'll talk about the major free agents and what we do with them. So the major free agents for this, or at least starters, sorry, I don't really want to talk about backups too much because you just, it's hard to predict backups or backups you like. It just really all depends on, you know, staff and scheme fit, all that stuff. Um, but I think overall, these are what you do regardless. Major free agents include Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Yannick Ngaway, Lucas Patrick, Justin Jones, Deontay Foreman. Cairo Santos. Of those free agents, I say you let Lucas, Patrick, Ngawe, Jones, Foreman, and Mooney walk. I'll go through each one as well to explain. Patrick, don't need to explain. Ngawe, he'd be someone I'd be fine with if we offer another one-year deal. He started coming along end of the season when we actually got some good players around him, and I think he's a solid player. Seems like a good person too, to have around. Justin Jones, same sort of thing. Um, started coming along near the end of the season um, is coming along and he's been a captain before. Like he's a good leader to have around. So I'd be fine with him. Otherwise I'm fine with trying to upgrade or get someone younger. Deontay Foreman. It's hard to want. He's an odd one. Cause you want your third running back to be someone who's a or second running back to be someone that, you know, can be a third down passing back. Deontay Foreman is like the, the short, short game back, like, the, like a David Montgomery, for example, or a Jamal Williams, for example, but Deontay Foreman can't pass block very well, and he's not a great receiver out of the backfield. He literally, when he's on the field, you know he's taking a, a run play between the tackles or a run to the outside. His pass block, you know you can blitz him and get by him. So I'm fine with replacing him. I think he was, he's been awesome for us. He's slowing down now. Um, he had that nice little stretch. It's kind of similar to his Carolina Panthers uh, career, or, sorry, last season. And then Mooney. This is a hard one. Mooney is a guy that I have advocated, I've loved. I I think he's an awesome dude. There is something missing between him and Fields this year, and I think it'd be in his and the Bears' best interest to give him a fresh start. I would love to see him on a team like the Kansas City Chiefs that could use receiver help badly. Um, Or even a team like the Miami Dolphins would become their wide receiver three. Um, there's a lot of teams that would use his talents and would make him good. And just especially this past Sunday, watching him drop that ball in the end zone, he dropped another ball over the middle of the field, missed a block on a fourth and one play. Like he overall just had a very, very rough game that he was constantly on the screen and didn't really do a whole lot of good. So I think he's been pretty equal to Tyler Scott this season, and that's not good that he's a fourth-year wide receiver is equal to a fifth-round rookie. Similar build, similar play style, but shouldn't be equal. So that I, I'm not really happy about it, but it's just somebody that I think you need a clean break from. Now, players that we re sign slash sign. So Jalen Johnson, he's the first one. Give him a five-year extension. Make him the highest-paid corner in football. Top three highest-paid. I don't care. He deserves it. He is. He is the best corner in football right now. Would like it or not. And the crazy thing is, he wasn't someone that was bad with the defense, and then got good when the defense got good. He was consistently the best corner in the NFL from day one of this season. And that's insane to think about that he has been that consistently good. You need to keep him around. He's he's awesome. Great dude. And if you can't extend him, tag him. He needs to be here. Other one, kicker, Carlos Santos. I actually saw a crazy stat the other day. Did you know that Robbie Golden, his entire career in Chicago, never made over 90% of his field goals ever in his career in Chicago? Santos has done that twice in three seasons in Chicago. That is insane to think about, that he has been that good and hasn't really gotten a lot of love for it because, well, when his offense is bad, he doesn't kick as much. So that you, that is a fair also counter. You know, they don't kick as so much. I don't know how much they kick. I really don't. I can't give a good number. um. So I'm not really sure on the exact numbers there. But regardless, making 90% of your kicks is unbelievable. And he's made some distant ones too. I'm pretty sure he's perfect about 50 yards. I remember right. He's been awesome. Now, other free agents. So I'll name the free agents and I'll discuss what their role will be with the team. Obviously, at the end, I'll discuss the starting lineup as well. Um, But this will be kind of uh, their role, at least for now. So um, first up, center Connor McGovern of the New York Jets. He's been pretty bad this season. Um, but he has been a consistently good center for the last how many years he's been in the NFL. He's, in my opinion, the stop gap. He signed him to a one or two year deal. He's the starter to start the season. Um, stay tuned for the draft, obviously. But um, you need someone to replace Lucas Patrick. He's already an upgrade, he already makes this offensive line better, he's smarter. Um, and he's he's a good center. It's just a rough season on a on a very 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 bad team. Next up, this is somebody you're throwing a bag at. Edge Josh Allen from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, why would you need another edge? You already have Montez Sweat. Why wouldn't you want Josh Allen? He has 13 and a half sacks already this season. Hand him, hand him a monster contract. Um, I wouldn't pay him obviously Montez Sweat money. I don't think he is that consistent impact but I would pay him good money. And if you can't get him, I think the next best option is you pay somebody like a, uh, a Carl Lawson to a three-year deal. Obviously though, in this scenario, this is my dream, Josh Allen. And then finally, wide receiver Curtis Samuel, Washington commanders. He's a consistent 500, 800 yard wide, reliable wide receiver three. He's the Darnell Mooney replacement. Um, so obviously there are still some holes here. This is just your, I think you're going to get some stopgap guys at depth-like defensive line where you let Justin Jones walk or you re-sign him. Um, interior offensive line where you have a constantly banged-up Tevin Jenkins, a constantly banged-up Nate Davis, um, and a aging center. Safety. Um, I mean, I think the other discussion that could be had, I forgot to mention two before this all started. I think you cut um, Cody Whitehair post june versus hit cap space. I think you get rid of him, cut ties um Eddie Jackson is another one you could be debating there. Um I keep him for now. I think he's someone you keep around he the the knowledge he has in the back half of the defense is just unbelievable. I don't think you cut him yet. I think you maybe um check his trade value, but I don't think you cut him. Uh but back to topic. So you still need depth though at safety. Um Eddie Jackson like I said, he is aging. Um Jaquan is always hurt and You still need depth. And then the backups are all bad. Elijah Hicks sucks. Um, Don't remember the other guys. They're all not good. I think you need to spend a mid-round pick there. Spoilers. Cornerback, um, you need depth there too. Um, You have – I think you have solid backup in Terrell Smith. Um, Still needs somebody else because you just never know. It's just always good to have good depth at a position like that and draft somebody there. And then running back, um, obviously with Foreman walking. Khalil Herbert's not a passing down back. You need to get somebody there who can um so obviously those are some spoilers for what will be happening next now before we start the next segment i forgot to bring up the uh the elephant in the room obviously free agency forgot to bring this up like i said um it isn't just madden you know pick and choose obviously i take a guy like michael Pittman over curtis samuel i take i mean josh allen i take. um i think i like connor williams over connor mcgovern but i think Connor Williams resigns with the Dolphins. There's no way they let him walk. They need him desperately. There's no way Pittman walks. They have a rookie, well, now second year quarterback who's going to need reliable wide receivers. They're not going to let Pittman walk. It's kind of similar to why the, well, I guess the Panthers let <laughs> the Panthers let DJ Moore go away. Um, but it's why the Bengals kept drafting wide receivers and keeping T Higgins around is to keep Joe Burrow comfortable. Um, you, there's no point in them not sign, re-signing him. They don't have a second receiver. Josh Downs is solid. He's not Michael Pittman. He's not reliable. But back to the next topic, which is the 2024 NFL draft. So the I use the PFN mock draft um, simulator. I like to change it up. I like to use that NFL mock draft database since PFF sucks, and you have to pay to make trades and do more than three rounds, which, dumb. Um, but I don't think they're truly valuing the number one pick overall correctly. So this is my trades that i make speaking of that um during the draft i'll talk about them first so it makes the picks line up better but pick number 1 i sent to new england they trade up one spot because i as gm am threatening ooh i got i got the patriots on the phone or sorry i got the raiders on the phone they want to move up um you know basically any team in the top 5 top 6 top 7 whatever Got them on the phone. Scared the pages a little bit. Kind of like the 49ers did to the Bears in 2021. Or sorry, 2017 with Mr. Trubisky. Um, Kind of like that. So I trade the pick, number one, to New England for two, 35, 66. And then a 2025 and 2026 first. And a 2025 second and a 2026 third. This is a haul. And teams are going are going to have to pay that to get caleb williams so that's this is where i say do it because first of all if you trade with new england they are a horrible team from top to bottom they have a bad roster arguably a head coach who might be gone they could lose a lot of games horrible wide receiver core for a rookie quarterback horrible i mean not great offensive line for a rookie quarterback it's just not a great team um with who's gonna it's gonna be on a lot of flux it's gonna suck Um So, their pick that we're going to get from them could be a top five, top 10 pick. And you know what? We can use a lot of our picks that we're going to be having, and we can trade up for a quarterback if we really need a new one next year. Going on to other trades, I traded back from pick 123 to Carolina for picks 133 and 162. Need more late picks. And then I traded back from 122. Um, which I don't think that's right. I think it's 132. 132 to Buffalo for 1 th- yeah, 132 to Buffalo for 138 179. So, I now have picks 2 5 from the Bears pick. 35, 66, um 72, which was our pick. 103, our pick 133 from Carolina, 138 from Buffalo, 162 from Carolina. And 179 from um, Buffalo. So, yeah, lots of confusion there. But now to the draft. I'll give a brief summary of each player. I'm obviously not going to to talk about some players that are obvious, like this first pick. Um, But I'll go into detail of some people that you might not know about. So, second overall pick, you're taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Enough said. He's the son of Marvin Harrison Sr. Amazing wide receiver for the Colts for years. Junior is the best player in this draft, back-to-back 1,200-yard seasons, despite having QB changed to the horrible Kyle McCord, who is now at Syracuse. That's how not good he is. Um, best receiver in college football last two years, and he is by far the best player in the draft. He's your other wide receiver one. He's your 1A and 1B with DJ Moore, um, which obviously we will get in the depth chart after this, so I won't get into too much detail. Pick five, Brock Bowers, tight end of Georgia. This is arguably the second best play in the draft. Now, the first question, because obviously I don't want people freaking out about this, is, well, what about Cole Komet? You just extended him. Brock Bowers is a different type of tight end. Did you guys see that play that uh, um, Robert Tunyon dropped on that deep pass yet? That's going to be Brock Bowers next season. He's going to catch that. He's going to take that for a touchdown. He's going to have much more separation, too. He is an elite separating tight end, an elite explosion. Elite after the catch. He is elite in almost every category except for he is a little skinny, which had to complain about anything. That's not something worth really complaining about when he's that good. Um, he is unbelievable. He has been the best tight end in college football for the last two years, three years maybe. Um, he has been awesome. Get him. He, he's just it's rare that you see a team go wide receiver tight end in their in the top five back to back picks. Um, but this would be the rare occasion to do it. Now this we're gonna go a little more detail. Pick 35, Cameron Kitchens, Safety Miami. Now, obviously Bears already have Eddie Jackson, Bears have um Jaquan Brisker, and now they have Cameron Kitchens. Kitchens is a um when I like to scout safeties, I like to look at safeties that one fly all over the field, two can play anywhere, and three have an extremely high motor and Kitchens has all three. Um Actually, a player that I fell in love with the year before he got drafted. I predicted him to be like a seventh-round pick. I don't remember what pick he ended up being, but replaying he was a guy that jumped off the screen. He's been solid for the Eagles as a fifth-round pick or whatever he is, and he kind of was a similar player. This is the higher-level player of that. So literally can play anywhere, hard hitter, aggressive, can read a QB well, great attacking the ball in the air. He, he makes Eddie Jackson expendable for next season, so that gives the Bears the flexibility to – you know, if they're ready for Kenjins, if he's ready to start with Brisker, if they're confident in that, trade away Jackson or cut him. Post June first. Um, if you're not confident in him yet, let him develop under Jackson for a year, and then Jackson's a free agent. So great. Pick 66. Zach Frazier, center of West Virginia. Another um, when I'm when I'm scouting offensive linemen, just like safeties. I have my preferences. Wrestlers instantly move up at least one spot. On the rankings and why is that um good elite wrestlers one it shows that you are an elite athlete you can play multiple sports and be dominant in multiple sports two strong hands aggressive great drive great hips mean hungry like it th- just the the heavyweight wrestling is that's what nfl players will do in the offseason like and this guy grew up doing it he's a fourth time state champ wrestler like he has great football iq to pair with that also Insane traits. He's a great athlete, massive hands, strong hands. He had a really bad injury to end the season. And that's why you sign a guy like Connor McGovern to a one-or-two-year deal. Um Frazier can sit behind McGovern, a veteran, learn, be ready to take over when he's healthy from his injury. Um, which if you haven't seen the video of him getting injured and the play of it of after it, it's awesome. Um, they he basically got hurt on the field. It was about to be a 10-second runoff if if he would have stayed down. He, with a broken leg, hobbled off the field himself immediately so the offense could hurry up, get down the field, and keep playing. And they ended up winning the game because of his help. So that doesn't tell you. Just an awesome dude you want on your team. Um, Pick 72, another Ohio State guy, Michael Hall, defensive tackle. He's somebody that – Ohio State – he's somebody that is, you know – An elite athlete, great strength, disruptive, but needs a lot more growth, needs a lot more, uh, you know, refinement in his abilities. Um, I think he could be a disruptive three-tech down the line, and regardless, you're getting somebody that can rotate in. So, a great pick in the middle rounds. Um, Pick 103, Jordan Birch, edge of Oregon. He uh, actually transferred to Oregon with the hope of improving his his draft. Um, I'm trying to think his... um, why am I drawing a blank? Um, how much teams liked him, I guess. I can't think of it. Likability, I don't know. Um, but he didn't really do a ton. He only had three sacks this year. Obviously, their season isn't done yet. But he's a great athlete. He's got really long arms. He can play both 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three fronts. Um, I think he's a, a solid guy that you want to get that you can rotate in. Pick 133 Blake Fisher off to tackle Notre Dame. Fun fact, um, obviously he plays with Joe Holt. He actually beat out Joe Hult, um for the left tackle spot. He suffered an injury that allowed Alt to take it over, and then Alt never looked back, and now Alt's a consistent top 10 pick in mock drafts. Kind of sucks for Fisher, but um, why he has fallen in comparison to the guy he actually beat out, he kind of lacks consistency. There are games you see him, like Ohio State, where he is dominant. He locks up whoever's rushing on him. Then there are other games. Um, There are a few games this year where you're like, "Who? this guy needs to be benched. Um, but he has the traits. He has the Notre Dame pedigree. He can play both left and right tackle. He is somebody that uh, you can, uh, I'll talk about that after, but he has flexibility. He's going to be a good guy to have basically on your roster. 138, um, Imani Bailey, running back of TCU. He took over after the graduation of, I think it was two running backs. I think it's Kendry Miller and Imani Hardo, if I remember correctly. Um, but Bailey was the only bright spot of the TCU offense that was barren after the loss of their entire team of Max Duggan, uh, Quentin Johnson, the running backs, that offensive line um, outside of a few players. He was basically their Bryce by 1400 uh, total yards, both rushing, and receiving his great vision. Awesome. In the screen game, he's explosive. Uh, he's again, he's a, he's a good guy to get who has the production to back it up on a bad team. Average was like 5.2 yards per carry. I think. Pick 162, this is an investment pick. I feel horrible for this guy, and this was a really gruesome injury, but Zach entered guard of Michigan. I remember watching the Big Ten Championship, watching um, the rally around him, and you can just tell he's a guy that you want on your team. He had just broken his tibia and his fibia, and Michigan players were destroyed. Players were crying. Players were just – they didn't know what to do, and the, the game, they, it was silent in that stadium. It was horrible. Um, but – he was a consensus, you know, third round pick, and he's someone that has fallen in mocks the sixth, seventh round because of this injury. He is a guy that has played right guard basically his entire college career. He is a uh, he was a first-team All-American despite this injury. He's the highest graded guard in the Big Ten. He's a guy that you, I mean, you get this guy in the sixth round to steal. Um, let him recover in your NFL training facilities and invest in him. Finally, pick 179, MJ Devonshire cornerback from Pitt. He's a ball-hawk corner who is has um, got great vision. He has three interception return touchdowns in his career, or three of the last two seasons. Uh, he had four picks this year. He's a second-team all-ACC corner. Just a good depth piece to get. So transitioning all of that, for going through the NFL draft, now I will go through the depth chart for the team. Um, obviously, I'm not going to discuss backups, mainly just starters with a few people that stayed in-house. So... Um, I would also, so I'll talk about like, hey, like free agent or UDFA, whatever. So as an example, the quarterback room, quarterback room will be Justin Fields and Tyson Bajan. Wouldn't it be surprised if they bring a free agent quarterback um, to come in there and be a competent, not competition, but be in there um, and possibly sit on the practice squad like uh, like an AP or maybe somebody different, hopefully better um, running back room. Um, the running backs in order, hopefully should be Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, and then Imani Bailey. And then maybe an undrafted free agent who's on a practice squad. You could pull up sometimes. Darrington Evans would be a nice one too. Um, fullback card, Placian gain, obviously tight end. That would be, um, obviously Cole Kmet, Brock Bowers. Those are the two obvious offensive line from left to right, left tackle Braxton Jones. Um, with rotating behind him as the swing tackle would be Blake Fisher. So to kind of touch on that, Blake Fisher is a guy that can push um, Braxton Jones to be the starter at left tackle since he has left tackle experience. He's better at left tackle than right tackle. Um, and at the very least he can play both and can rotate between the two if he's, uh, if he doesn't win the job left guard, uh, Tevin Jenkins. So obviously He's banged up again right now. They need some uh, solid depth behind him. That's what the uh, draft pick of Zach Center will be down the line, along with, obviously, um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Draw a blank on the guard that we have that's the current backup. But I'll, moving on. Interior offensive line, Connor McGovern to start um, with Zach Frazier learning behind him. Right guard, Nate Davis, with, obviously, Zinter breathing down his neck once he's healthy. And then right tackle, Darnell Wright, with obviously the same thing, Blake Fisher rotating around. Wide receiver. So this room needs some work. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of pending free agents there. Other ones I didn't mention was Equinemes St. Brown was another one who's gone. So the the one, two, and three wide receivers are obviously um, DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr., Curtis Samuel are the top three. Number four being Tyler Scott. Number five (laughs) – Really don't want to keep him, but Bayless Jones, probably. Um, Number six, probably another free agent or undrafted free agent, somebody you can just get in there as competition. Um, Don't know if we have any carry, anybody else besides that. Um, Now going to the defense, edge rushers. The starting two, obviously, after the signing, Josh Allen and Montez Sweat with um, Jordan Burchloin behind them, and then DeMarcus Walker as your, like, rotational guy. I think you cut ties also with – Man, I'm struggling today. I haven't done one of these in a while. Um, Robinson. Can't think of his first name. He sucks this year. Horrible after destroying Trent Williams week one of last year. Um, But regardless, those are your edges. Defensive line, I think your starters should be um, Gervon Dexter and Andrew Billings. Rotating Zach Pickens. Oh, geez. Pickens. And your new defensive lineman, uh, Michael Hall. Wouldn't mind another free agent brought in there as well. Some veteran presence. Sorry, linebacker. If you're running the 4-3 front, um, if you're in base, not nickel, your three linebackers obviously are still the same with the the TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, and Jack Sanborn. And if you're in the nickel package, obviously Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. Starting corners. Starting corners and safeties are same across the board. I'll cover them anyway, though, Jalen Johnson. um, I think there actually should be an open competition between Terrell Smith um, and Tyree Stevenson. Stevenson has come um, come along lately, but he still is getting beat sometimes. And, I, I mean, Smith is the dog. He's really good. He's very solid. He should get a shot. But... Regardless, I'm fine with either of them starting. Obviously, nickel corner, Kyler Gordon. And then the safeties, depending on what you do with Eddie Jackson, Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker or Jaquan Brisker and um, Cameron Kinchins. So, of uh, the other players I did not mention, so that would be, I think it's just uh, MJ Devonshire. He'd be a guy that you have as your fourth corner um, and special teamer, essentially. So, even maybe somebody you can turn into, like, a punt returner with his, uh, I don't know if he punt returned in college. I didn't do the research on that part, but... Three interception return touchdowns is pretty legit, so um, pretty explosive and fast. So overall, that was, uh, I think, my longest episode, too, on top of the fact that it's my first one back. Glad to have back. back. Um, given that I'm going to be having some time off here from work, I might do another episode um, near the end of the week, maybe on Friday, um, to cover pregame analysis for the Chicago Bears game coming up against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so I'll have some notes out about that, but Hey, thanks you all. Thank you all for tuning in, being patient with me. Um, again, I appreciate you guys waiting or, I mean, if you didn't wait, I still appreciate you guys, um, you know, waiting for me to create this episode and get back on, get back on the wagon and start doing podcasts again. It's been a, has been a long year for me and I'm really glad, uh, that I have the supporters that I have people that, um, not only just listen to this podcast, but just friends, family, that stuff. So I appreciate you all um please like subscribe share with your friends um message me leave me comments questions anything you want me to cover on a podcast down the line um would love to hear it i'm trying to make trying to be more consistent with this so appreciate all the feedback and everything thank you all for tuning in and i will see you guys when i see you